Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. On this show, we continue our celebration of food and the role it plays in our lives. I hope you'll tune in every weekend to explore the culture, the science, the history, and the backstories that come together, the deeper meaning every time people sit down to enjoy a meal. This is a place for people who love to eat, and it is my goal to make your dishes come alive with flavor. I talk food, health, wellness, wine, cocktails, trends, tech, fitness, and more to fuel your hunger and satiate your soul. So stay tuned because there is delicious conversation in your radio all throughout this hour. As we embark on the holidays, you will find recipes and inspiration galore on this show. And I'm always serving up seconds at chefjamie.com. I hope that it will make you a better cook in your own kitchen. If you happen to have missed a show, you can find my podcast on iTunes under Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. And I do hope that you'll follow me on social for my daily dish at Chef Jamie Gwen, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram too. Now with that said, let's dig in, shall we? Okay, can we talk about your pressure cooker, please? It is officially time for hearty winter meals. And chilly days Call for warm comfort food, right? So hearty dinners like pumpkin chili and pulled pork and soups and risotto, they're all made better in your pressure cooker. Now, maybe you have an instant pot or a traditional pressure cooker. I have a digital pressure cooker. I'm a caloric fan. That's the name of the brand. But I say no matter what you have, pull it out, set it on the counter and get cooking. Now, if you love your slow cooker, it works really well in some instances, and I'm not putting it down by any means. Slow cookers offer a level of convenience that no other cooking method can match. You dump in the ingredients in the morning, you switch it on, right? And then you come home to a hot meal ready and waiting for you. Now, mind you, there are wonderful things that can be done in the slow cooker, even when you're around, like coming up for Thanksgiving, I make the ultimate roasted garlic, rustic mashed potatoes in a slow cooker. You put everything in and you let it go. And by the way, they stay hot all throughout the meal because seconds are the greatest compliment to a chef and it's Thanksgiving and you're feasting. So maybe you should have thirds. There is a place, no doubt, for a slow cooker. But there is a price to pay in the flavor of the food or most foods that comes from your slow cooker. I would argue that in most situations in which you'd use a slow cooker, you are better off choosing a pressure cooker. So let me tell you why. A pressure cooker produces a superior chicken stock and beef stew and red sauce and yes, a glorious risotto. One of the biggest factors that can affect flavor in braises and stews is the temperature at which they are cooked. A slow cooker cooks more slowly, of course. And by contrast, a pressure cooker cooks at higher temperatures, which to me maintains the flavor and in fact, often intensifies it. 
So in a slow cooker, moisture that evaporates from the food that's being cooked condenses on the lid. That's why when you lift it up, there's water all around, right? And it tends to drip back down through the long cooking process, which slows the rate of reduction of whatever the liquid is. So foods cooked in slow cookers experience almost no browning or reduction, which means that it's really difficult to build flavor. Now, liquids don't reduce in a pressure cooker. They cook from heat around, and you would think that they'd have the same disadvantage as a slow cooker, but pressure cookers can achieve much higher cooking temperatures. So, I've hopefully convinced you that in in terms of absolute food quality, at least, your pressure cooker will generate the most delicious results and in a short amount of time, which is really a plus, right? Now, I didn't have to talk you into a pressure cooker. I know there are many of us, millions, that believe in a pressure cooker. Anything that takes eight hours to cook in a slow cooker can be cooked in about 45 minutes in a pressure cooker. Lentil soup, chile verde, beef stew. Now, as I mentioned, to be fair, your slow cooker has a place for chili for the big game, for dips, for cheese sauces, for the mashed potatoes I mentioned, where somebody's going to be dipping or dipping a spoon repeatedly over the course of several hours. There's no reduction going on because of slow, even heat. There's no chance anything will burn in your slow cooker. Then it has its place. But when it comes to weeknight meals that burst with flavor, that can be done in a jiffy, your pressure cooker is your best friend. So here are my best recipes for the cold winter season to use your pressure cooker to the utmost. All right, there is nothing like French onion soup. And caramelized onions, if you know me or you know my show over the past 16 years, are my thing. And I talk about caramelized onions often because I make what I call two glasses of Chardonnay or glass and a half, maybe two is pushing it, (laughs) glass and a half of Chardonnay caramelized onions. You see, the caramelizing process is slow and steady, wins the race, and it takes time. The amount of time it takes to drink about a half, a glass and a half of Chardonnay, 40, 45 minutes at least. Now, if you caramelized onions in your pressure cooker, I like to start with sweet yellow onions and a a good amount of butter and you combine them and you cook until the onions sort of start to release their liquid and then you seal the pressure cooker and you cook on high for 20 minutes and then you release the pressure and remove the lid. And you can cook about five minutes more. All the liquid will cook off. And you really do have these deep brown, beautiful caramelized onions. You didn't have to stand there and stir, but you can still drink the Chardonnay. I happen to love pressure cooker caramelized onions for French onion soup. I also make an eight-minute pressure cooker Parmesan risotto that will rock your world. So, the Italian-approved risotto that comes out creamy and delicious every time. The original, stand and stir. Fun if you have friends around, but not if on a Wednesday night you're craving risotto. The pressure cooker gives you a far faster process, cuts out all the usual stirring. You need to adjust the recipe depending upon what kind of pressure cooker you have, but it is super simple. All the standard ingredients of risotto that you know and love, eight minutes in your pressure cooker, 
And then uh, you stir in the Parmesan cheese and the thyme and the lemon zest and you let it stand for a few minutes and it thickens beautifully and you have eight minute pressure cooker Parmesan risotto. The recipe, by the way, posted at chefjamie.com. And then whether it be for Taco Tuesday or Sunday football or you just happen to be a carnitas lover, I love... Love, love carnitas in the pressure cooker. It really does give you the flavor like it's cooked all day. It really does give you the caramelization that you're looking for. And I will never make it another way. So if you would like the recipe for pressure cooker carnitas, just email me, jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at chefjamie.com. And that is a love letter to your pressure cooker. Maybe it's a love letter from your pressure cooker. Let me know what you're cooking. I'd love to dish. Once again, uh, the email that gets you to me directly, jamie at chefjamie.com. Please don't touch your dial. There is lots more inspiring, intelligent, educational, delicious conversation coming up in your radio. Can you tell that I love being here? Every weekend, in fact. And I am always delighted when a culinary goddess graces my show. So <laughs> the beloved baker, who is so much more, Dory Greenspan, is here to dish. Her career spanning more than 30 years and her new book, The Way I Cook, about to be shared. So stay tuned. Also, before the end of the hour, we're sharing the best of the season in produce our produce guru, Robert Schuler of Melissa's, is here, and you won't want to miss the tangy, sweet conversation. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, and there is more fabulous food right after this. Always delighted when this culinary goddess graces my show. We're celebrating the sweet and savory side of life today. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. I am beyond excited that Dory Greenspan is once again gracing this radio show. Her renowned gastronomic career has spanned more than 30 years, and Dory is, of course, the much-beloved baker you know and love, with 13 cookbooks under her belt and accolades galore. A New York Times bestseller, 
She is a James Beard Award winner three times over and has been inducted into the who's who of food and beverage in America over the course of her brilliant career. Dory Greenspan has created tens of thousands of sweets recipes, but her legion of fans love her savory side too. And with the release of her 13th cookbook, she is now sharing the recipes that she makes every day. From her Parisian-inspired dishes served at her Paris home to the weeknight meals she creates in her small New York City kitchen, her dishes are satisfying and inviting and comforting. And trust me, you really want to dine at Dory's table. They're all culminated in a beautiful new cookbook entitled Everyday Dory, The Way I Cook. And Dory Greenspan is here to dish. Hello, my friend. I am very glad to have you back. It's been too long. Oh, Jamie, thank you. I love being with you. Thank thank you, thank you. Yes, of course. Congratulations. The book is beautiful. I felt like I was sitting at your kitchen counter or at a dinner party. Like I could feel Dory in the room. I love that feeling. I couldn't ask for anything better than to have you and other readers feel that way. That's what I was hoping for as I Mm. wrote this book. Yes. This book is really about, you know, the, the reading title is The Way I Cook. And it is the way I cook, but it's also the way I gather people around me and the way I have friends and family come share a meal with me. So I'm delighted that you felt that way. Oh, thank you. It felt warm and wonderful. And we love that you love writing cookbooks. I know from your introduction and from knowing you a lot of years, it makes you happy. And that you feel your best recipes come from spontaneous cooking. So uh, can you name a recent addition to your repertoire that you love that just came about spontaneously that way? Because I think that's inspiring for cooks of all levels. Well, I have been, you mentioned that I live in Paris and in New York, but I also live in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And we've been spending My husband and I have been spending more time there, and I've been cooking more there. And I'm far away from from a a supermarket. I mean, really, there are one specialty shop. Mostly I shop in a supermarket. And so my cooking has become even more spontaneous Hmm. and more practical and simpler because of having to cook with the ingredients that I have at hand. And you asked for a spontaneous recipe. This one was almost an accident. I had planned a little lunch for friends, and it was going to be a salad and grilled scallops. Mm, And when they arrived, there were two more people, people I hadn't expected who came as guests of my friends, and they just hadn't told me. And I had to scramble, and I turned the salad all that lettuce, I turned it into a soup, the great extender soup. Yes. I made a lettuce soup. I cut the scallops. I put them in the bottom of the soup bowl, put the hot lettuce soup over the scallops so that the scallops were just slightly cooked by the heat and served that dish with a smile. And the recipe made the book because I saw the lettuce soup and I thought, you know, my first thought, Dory, was waste not, want not. Like what a wonderful thing to do when you have a full produce drawer, but also the simplicity and the uh, pocket friendly 
sort of approach mm-hmm. to it too. I mean, how cost effective, right? And that bright green exactly. color uh, year round. I mean, that that recipe definitely appealed to me. But so that, that's kind of you know, spontaneous. Yes. There's a beef stew in the book that um, I just made it last weekend mm. for friends. And I gave it a name that's too long for me to remember. It's called, let me just find it quickly. I have the book here. Subtly, subtly spicy. spicy. Yes, go ahead. Right? Softly, subtly spicy, softly hot, slightly sweet beef stew. And that was, it started as a kind of classic French stew, marinate the beef in some red wine. Mm. And I opened my refrigerator and there was gochujang, which is a bottled Korean chili sauce that you can buy in the market. Yes, I love it. Well, I love it too, but you know, you buy it, you use one teaspoon for a dish and then it just sits on the fridge door. And I thought, hmm, that could spice up a stew. Sure. And as long as I was choking a little bit toward Asia, I added some soy sauce and some ginger and what was going to be a delicious but very expected, you know, a normal, in quotes, um, stew became a really surprising and delicious dish. I think that's the beautiful inspiration that I alluded to from the way you cook and the way that we learn from great cooks like you, which is sometimes you have to peruse the door of the fridge. You have to uh, experiment or be creative or go on a whim because gochujang in a beef stew, why not? I mean, that's brilliant to me. And that really, I think very much speaks to the fact that you have always been known by your friends and family and those that love to sit at your table for an element of surprise. You create unexpected flavor combinations. You added dry mustard to a recipe, if I'm not mistaken, that um, if it's the gougeres that you're known for that you keep in the freezer all the time, which I think is so smart, there's that burst of flavor. Everyone should have, everyone should have gougere in their freezer. Yeah, yes, um, I agree. And you're right. This time, I call them my newest gougere because <laughs> I am always playing around. Um, this time, I did add mustard, and I also added some walnuts. So gougere are, you know, those delicious little cheese puffs. And with the walnuts, you get the soft, you know, first you get that soft, um, kind of melty, delicious, custardy cheese inside. Mm, yes. And then every once in a while, you get that little chew and crunch of all walnuts. So oh. it is that little something unexpected Love that. in a dish that we think we know really well. And you keep them and, in the freezer, Dory, right? You you yeah. scoop the dough so I, and then you throw them in the in the oven when people arrive last minute. That's right. That's right. If you ring the doorbell, I'm ready for you with Gouchere. <laughs> okay, I'll be right there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on my way. Then there was a story of anchovies. In the bottom of, was it a roasted pepper? The peppers cut the long way, and I made a little mixture of breadcrumbs, lemon juice, lemon zest, herbs, and Mm. anchovies, and worked them together so that the anchovies are kind of just blended in with the breadcrumbs. Put that mixture in the bottom of the peppers, and then cut cherry tomatoes in half, and press the tomatoes into the peppers, added some herbs, some fresh lemon, a little drizzle of olive oil, pop them into a hot oven, and everything gets soft, kind of melts a little bit. 
charred at the top. It is The dish is beautiful when you put it in the oven and beautiful when you pull it out. Oh, Dory, you're making me hungry. Please pause there. When we come back, Dory Greenspan right after this. We're back and we're dishing season's eatings to you. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Dory Greenspan, beloved baker and culinary goddess, spanning a 30-year culinary career, is here dishing on her new cookbook release entitled The Way I Cook. All right, I'd like to continue to cook. Do you always keep, with you, Dory, do you always keep ricotta in the fridge? Ever since I started making this dish that I call ricotta spoonable, yes, I keep that in the fridge. So all it is is ricotta, just, you know, buy a tub of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I drain it if it's a little watery, and it's mixed with olive oil, lemon juice, lemon zest, and whatever herbs I have in the house. I just chop them up. So if I have shallots, I put them in. If I have scallions, I put them in. If I don't, I don't think about it. Just mix it all up, and it's something that I use as a crostini, just on you know little pieces of bread or on cracker. It is delicious on top of those peppers. Mm. It's good with roasted carrots. It's just an all-around good dish to have. I put it out um, with some raw vegetables to just scoop and dip with drinks as aperitif. It's one of those things that takes five minutes to make. You put it in the refrigerator, and you're so happy you have it there. Right, because I'm thinking lean and clean, you know, spooned over a grilled chicken breast. I'm thinking put it out for crudite. I do warm ricotta in a cast iron skillet, either in the oven Mm. or off the grill. And you could take that wonderful spoonable mixture you created and serve it hot or cold, right? Yes, you could. And wouldn't wouldn't you like to put that over pasta? Oh, yes, with a dollop of pesto on the top or those oven-roasted charred tomatoes you talked about? This is the kind of cooking I love. And this is what I I would love to be able to encourage home cooks to do this kind of noodling with dishes. I call it playing around. Yes. But once you have a recipe, you know how to make it. You know you like it. You know it's a good base. You feel confident in making it. Yes. Then start playing around. Start mm. thinking about the kinds of combinations that you just ripped on. Yes. Start thinking about what you have in your refrigerator, what you have in your pantry, how can you pop the flavors in a different direction? Mm. This is what makes home cooking such a pleasure. Now this that is, and sharing it with the people you cook for. Of course, it's what makes good food great. I agree. And if you've just tuned in, you're late because the delightful and beloved Dory Greenspan is here. And we're celebrating the release of her 13th cookbook, making you, uh, or I would say a making a place for you, a seat at Dory Greenspan's table. The book is called Everyday Dory, The Way I Cook. And it's sweet and savory and scrumptious. And it is truly learning um, from a a culinary diva. Can we have um, lemon fennel chicken in a pot for dinner, please? (gasps) 
You can. Yes, Dory, because I'm, I'm going to reach over and dunk my bread. Well, that, I mean, these <laughs> dishes that are slow-cooked, I mean, yes. lemon and fennel is a match made in heaven. Mm-hmm. The chicken gets put in a big Dutch oven. Nothing, you know, nothing's easier than cooking in a Dutch oven, I think. And, you know, clap the lid on the pot, let it roast in the oven for 90 minutes, lift off the lid carefully because there's a lot of steam, and just that first puff of steam, the aroma is so wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I just bring the whole chicken in the pot to the table, cut the chicken into large pieces, Leave the pot there so that, yes, Jamie, you can just <laughs> dunk my bread. bread. Yes. <laughs> that's the best part. And that's what makes family dinner to me. You know, I definitely pride myself and will say look forward to every weekend Sunday supper with my mom. And that dunking of bread, the Dutch oven, the slow roasted chicken, that feels like Sunday supper to me. That's comfort food it's, at its finest. It's a good Sunday dinner. And as I was listening to you talk, it made me want to tell you what I call this kind of food because I think I, I call it elbows on the table food. Hmm. And when I say that, I think about what I love about sharing food with people. I love people sitting around the table, feeling comfortable, being comfortable, having something that you can, a plate that you can pass around or a communal dunking pot or just the kind of food that keeps people at the table, keeps them talking, sharing stories with one another, Mm -hmm. lingering for just a little longer. I would like to linger with you over sweet chili chicken thighs. And that's a good, that's a good lingerer. (laughs) Yes. That's... (laughs) That that's a really great dish because you get a bunch of flavor for absolutely like five minutes worth of work. Right, so no labor. Just flavor for no, no labor. labor. All of the flavor comes from mostly bottled ingredients. Um, there is fresh ginger and an onion and some garlic, but um, I'm using Thai sweet chili sauce, mm. soy sauce, sriracha. And Dijon mustard to make this, and some white wine to make Mm. this um, sauce, I guess is what you would call it, so that the chicken thighs can cook in the pot um, and just be infused with this flavor. Again, Mm. big flavor, Yes, not very much effort, and a dish that um, has a it's just, I love this dish. It, it could be a Tuesday dish. It could be a Saturday dish. It could be um, dinner for a big crowd. It could be something you just pull together for an intimate little Saturday night um, dinner. And you could it's, sub out um, the chicken pieces or parts, right, Dory? Because I'm thinking it's football fair for the guys. Oh, I'm oh, thinking like wings or drumsticks or something you can, you know, hold with one hand and armchair quarterback with the other. You are a smart cook. Yep, you absolutely could. Okay, next weekend, I'll let him know. <laughs> um, let's go. Lucky, to, lucky guy. Yes, let's go. I think so, too. Let's go to the sweeter side, because this is how we came to know you and love you as Dory Greenspan, the baker. And I will tell you, there has never been a Dory dessert that I have made that has not been an extraordinary hit. 
I happen to be a molasses fan. I don't know if we've ever talked molasses together, Dory. And the no. oh, the molasses coffee cake is right up my alley. I have a new secret with molasses. Tell me. It's the best emulsifier, Dory. And I shared on the radio some weeks ago that if you want to master a vinaigrette that never bake, uh, that never breaks, rather, you add like a half of a teaspoon of molasses and the emulsification lasts forever. And there's a little bit of that sort of sweet, tart, subtle back note that I love too. I use a lot of molasses. Okay, if I'm not speaking, it's because my mouth is open. Oh, what it's a great idea. It's the greatest emulsifier. Now, mol- molasses coffee cake on page 261 of Everyday Dory, the next recipe I will make. I mean, mark my word, like tonight. Oh, I think you will like this. So this has this has the molasses, which, as you said, has that tang mm. and, and, and the sweetness. It's, I love it's it. It's got an edge to it, which yes. I really, really like. It's got hot coffee or espresso, nice mix with the molasses and brown sugar. And then it's got ginger, Chinese vibe spice powder, black pepper, and cinnamon. So it's a very unusual mix of spices. It's It's not your traditional, if you think of molasses, you might think of the kinds of spices that you might use for pumpkin pie. Yes. More, I want to say haunting spice mix. Again, it's got what I love. It's, it's almost unplaceable. Hmm. You taste it and you're not sure. You, you wouldn't pick out the black pepper. You wouldn't pick out the Chinese five spice powder. Right, but they you have to take together. another bite. I love that. Yes. Oh, I can't wait to make it. I love having you here. You are welcome back anytime. I wish you a delicious holiday season. And I hope that you will drop by next year uh, because there's lots more to share from Everyday Dory. This is a a standout cookbook, the 13th from Dory Greenspan. And it is the way she cooks. And trust me, it's a page turner. Page after page, you will delight in the recipes that Dory shares from her kitchen to yours. The book is available worldwide on Amazon, um, at fine bookstores everywhere, of course. And if you'd like to visit with Dory, you can visit DoryGreenspan.com, of course. Dory, always a pleasure. I send you big hugs. And I send hugs back to you. Thank (laughs) Thank you, you. Amy. Thank you, thank you. As the delicious conversation continues, we have the best culinary thinkers on this show. And if you're not hungry yet, well, then I didn't do my job. There's lots more fabulous food in your radio right after this. Okay, prepare yourself because we're about to get fresh. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Think tasty, tangy, tart, sweet, and delicious, and you'll think Melissa's. 
providing quality produce to chefs and restaurants and markets and fine cooks everywhere for over 35 years. I'm very proud and grateful to have Melissa's as a partner on this show since our inception 16 years ago. And Melissa's produce just keeps getting sweeter. Robert Schuler is our resident produce guru and the director of all things fresh and fabulous for Melissa's, and he's here to increase your fruit and veggie knowledge for the holiday season, and I'm glad to have you back. Hi, Robert. Hey, Jamie. Glad to be back. <laughs> oh, thank you. Okay, first off, uh, what's trending in the produce world as winter progresses, please? Well, you'll find that during the winter time, that in terms of fruit, mm-hmm. citrus is definitely the dominant theme that you'll see in produce departments beyond your typical lemon, lime, and grapefruit, you're going to see an assortment of over a dozen different varieties like exciting little kumquats Mm. and sweet Meyer lemons and some of my favorites like blood oranges and those pink oranges, they're called Cara Cara. So yes. those are just a few of the many exciting citrus varieties. Yeah, I happen to love citrus season. I'm also loving the Melissa Sweet Limes. And as I posted on social, you know that I'm making limeade, Robert, and then spiking it with gin. And there is something so craveable about that beautiful balance of sweetness and acid. But the sweet limes have an incredible long shelf life as well. And I'm using them for everything because I love the tang, but they have that really round flavor, that wonderful sort of uh, balance to them, I would say. Yeah, the, the sweet limes are newer to the marketplace. Um, they don't look like your little green um, limes that you're used to. They actually are about the size of an orange, and they're, the color of the skin is not green, but actually yellow. They're not as tart as a typical lime, but in the lime family. And you basically can cut them open, juice them, or what a lot of people like to do in the Hispanic culture is they cut them into quarters, Sprinkle a little chili, lime, mm. salty powder on yes. top or tahini. Yes, I love And just um, uh, suck from them in quarters like you would an orange. Right. And that's a great way, a snack item to enjoy those sweet limes. Yes, and I think you get a lot of bang for your buck in them because some of the challenges of citrus uh, off-season is that they're not particularly juicy. And these sweet limes really deliver. Uh, and I love those caracaras and the blood oranges you talk about as well. Blood oranges, not only decadently delicious, but a gorgeous garnish. So like my Thanksgiving turkey is adorned with clusters of your winter grapes, wedges of blood orange, uh, fresh sage leaves. I mean, they're glorious to look at. So this is a a very good citrus season. Um, Let's talk potatoes because the varieties are ever growing. Um, Hanukkah comes very early this year. And you know, Robert, because we know each other a lot of years and very well. For Hanukkah latkes, that Dutch yellow potatoes delight me. Definitely. And those are our signature varieties that are available year round. They peak in the wintertime there because people are more up to um, cooking a lot of potatoes, 
um, you know, because of the cooler weather that we see there. But if you like the Dutch yellow potatoes, which are yellow on the outside and on the inside, if you like the red potatoes better, try the cousins to the Dutch yellow potatoes called ruby gold potatoes. Those are really popular as well. Right, and those have a red exterior, but mm-hmm. a cream-colored flesh. So you get the texture and the rusticity of the red potato that you love, right? But with a creamy texture. It's like the most beautiful dichotomy. Definitely. Jackfruit. Growing in popularity here in the States, uh, especially as a meat substitute for vegetarians, really interesting to see the incredible creativity that um, recipe developers are creating, chefs are developing with jackfruit. Can you dish on jackfruit a bit? Tell us a little culinary history. They're large, you know, like a watermelon size, about 15 to 20 pounds. Yeah, they're big. They are available year-round. Their use, especially with vegetarians and vegans who use the fruit to make a vegetarian pulled pork recipe out of it. See, there's three parts to the fruit. There's the fruit, which is the sweet part. There's the fibers that are used along with the fruit to make this vegan pulled pork. And then there's the seeds. The seeds you put to the side when you um, open it up, and you can cook them, and they taste something between a potato and a chestnut. Mm -hmm. So there's three edible parts to this fruit. I love that exotic produce has come into play as everyday ingredients today, and Melissa's has no doubt uh, catapulted the produce industry to elevate. And so I thank you personally. I love your passion and all of your knowledge, Robert. And I am so very proud to adore everything that is Melissa's. And at chefjamie.com, you will find a weekly Melissa's produce pick so that you're always sure what's in season. Go to melissa's.com to learn more. Robert, always a pleasure. Thank you for being our produce guru and happy holidays to you. Thank you, Chef Jamie. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of delicious conversation. I thank you for listening and I hope that I fed your soul. I'll leave you with my last bite for the hour, my last ounce or tidbit of gastronomic inspiration. I spoke about the beauty of your pressure cooker at the start of the show. So you want to make a pressure cooker miracle? Well, then try my four-ingredient pressure cooker mac and cheese. Oh, yes. It's crazy easy and super creamy and really delicious. It's kid-friendly, made with elbow macaroni, and the secret is evaporated milk. You get rich, creamy texture. No flour, by the way. It only takes a few minutes, a few ingredients, and you can make a soulful mac and cheese that everyone will love. So for my four-ingredient pressure cooker mac and cheese, you'll need elbow macaroni, water, salt, butter, evaporated milk, and cheddar cheese. And you will find the recipe posted now on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. So please check it out. You can always email me with your holiday recipe requests. Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at chefjamie.com will get you to me directly. And I will meet you here next weekend when there's lots more to dish on. I do thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I hope you continue to eat well. Well.